chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse number 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to jump right in here. James chapter 1, verse number 12. And we're going to begin our series again in James. Hope you do have the notes with you because in a few Sundays we're going to be sharing with you, we're going to talk about temptation. Temptation. Let's look at verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray now that the Spirit of God would just come. Lord, I've been praying last night, throughout this week, this morning, that I just be a vessel, and the words, God, that you have will speak to me. And Lord, you'll give me those words that I can speak to these dear people. Lord, I want them to hear from you. I want them to hear what you have to say. So I pray, God, for that anointing. I pray for the power of God here. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to learn this valuable lesson and how we can deal with temptation. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know Christ, this would be the day. And we give you all the glory and praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I like that amen. You're good. Let me tell you a story how Eskimo traps a wolf. Paul Harvey gave this account. He said it's a grisly account, and yet it offers fresh insight into the consuming, self-destructing nature of sin and temptation. And he says this is how they do it. First, the Eskimo cokes the knife with animal blood and allows it to freeze. And then what he does, he adds another layer of blood, and then another, and then another, until the blade is completely concealed by the frozen blood. Then he takes the knife plants it firm into the ground. And of course it says, when the wolf with its sensitive nose sees the source of sense and discovers the bait, he begins to lick it. And as he begins to lick it, he begins to taste the fresh frozen blood. It begins to lick faster, faster, more and more vigorously, lapping the blade until the keen edge is bare. Feverishly now, harder and harder, the wolf licks the blade in the Arctic night. So great becomes his craving for the blood that the wolf does not notice the razor-sharp sting of the naked blade on his tongue, nor does he recognize the instant at which his thirst is being satisfied by his own blood. He, his appetite, just craves more until the dawn finally comes And there lies the wolf, dead. That's interesting. And as I read that, I thought about what we're going to look at here. Temptation. Temptation. Uh, Johnny Hunt says these words. He says, all live on temptation island. Do you agree with that statement? I believe it to be true. All of us live on temptation island. Island. You just think for a moment as I talk and I mention that word temptation, and when you hear that word, uh, what flashes through your mind? 
What pictures and emotions uh, does it conjure up in your thinking? And yet these verses deal with temptation. They're not dealing with trials. And the trials we know can be sent by God. But we also know that temptations are always, always now, church, are sent by Satan. Rick Warren says that every temptation is an opportunity for us to do good. You say, how does that fit? How does that mean? It simply means this. When we are tempted, we have a choice. We have a choice to bow down to the attempt, uh, temptation and fall into sin. Or we have a choice to say, no, I'm not, and we can walk away. Being tempted is not a sin, he says. It's how we respond to the temptation. And he also says that it will determine whether we sin or we resist. And temptation simply provides the choice. And let me give you two very quick examples of that. There's one fellow by the name of Joseph. If you know anything about the book of Genesis, here was Joseph, and he's a slave of Potiphar in Potiphar's house in Egypt. We know that there, Potiphar's wife tempts him on a daily basis to sleep with her, commit sin with her. And he refuses, he refuses, he refuses. And finally it came to the point that she grabbed a hold of him, of his clothing, and brought her close to near him, trying Yet Herod to commit that sin, and he, he, he ran, leaving his coat in her hands, and ran from that temptation. Then there's another example. His name is Samson. We know him as the superman of the Bible. He's that man of great strength, but he had a, a weakness. And that weakness got him in trouble with a lady by the name of Delilah, in which he revealed his secret of his strength. And what happened to him? He lost his strength. Not only that, but he lost his eyesight. He became a slave to the Philistine, his enemies. And finally he took his own life because he gave in to the temptation. While temptation is Satan's primary weapon to destroy us, God wants to use it to develop us. I want you to remember that. Every time we choose to do good instead of sin... We are growing in Christ. Remember that phrase again I gave to you? Johnny Hutt said, we all live on temptation island. Let me define to you what the word temptation means. First of all, it means this. It means to test or prove. Temptations are never unique experiences to us. We can never have a temptation that has not been experienced by millions of others. I want you to get, understand that. I'm going to show you a verse about that very point. You're being tempted by something, and you may think, hey, listen, I'm the only one that's going through this. I'm the only one who has this temptation. I'm the only one who has this desire that's drawing me and wanting me to fall into sin. I want you to know that's not true. Because the scripture says this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 13. There has taken, it says, there has no temptation taken you, but it's such as common to man. What does that mean? That means someone else has faced the temptation that you're facing. We all are facing some kind of temptation, but you're not alone. There are others that are going through it just like you. David Jeremiah wrote a little phrase, and it says this. He says, I think the struggle against sin and its power might be tougher fight for us now than at almost any other time in history. He says, from every direction... Every direction of society, it seems as if we are being tempted in so many areas of our life. You see, the Christian has what we call the external world 
Think about it for a minute that tempts us. You go to work tomorrow morning, and there you're at work, and maybe somebody will offend you. Maybe somebody will do something to upset you, and you'll be tempted to say something. You'll be tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do, but that temptation will come. How about that internal flesh that we all deal with? I deal with it every day. And it's a mind thing. It's what it is. And that mind that puts thoughts into your head and the things that you see and the temptations that come your way or my way, that flesh wants to rise up and say, yes, let's do this. And then there's what we call the infernal devil and the demons of hell. And we all know how that works. His demons, the devil himself, will come to you and I And he'll tempt us in such a way to get us to fall. He'll throw something in front of us. He'll show something in front of us. He'll bring thoughts to our mind that we have in our mind that we can see. And he tempts us to try to destroy us and keep us from doing the very work of God. Remember the devil is called the tempter. So don't be surprised that he is not going to tempt you. Adrian Rogers made this statement. I read it to Scott the other day as we were talking, I think this is a powerful statement, and you listen to this. He said, if the devil never bothers you, it's because you're both going in the same direction. Wow. When I read that, I thought, whoa, that is a statement. If the devil never bothers you, it's because you are both going in the same direction. So if you don't have a problem with Satan... If you don't have a problem with your flesh, you don't have a problem with the world that you're facing, it's probably because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or it's probably because you're giving in to every temptation that comes your way. Maybe you and Satan are going in the same direction. Sort of like a young priest who was listening to confessions. And an older priest was overseeing his confession, his training. And of course, at the end of the time of all the confessions, the older priest came to the younger priest and he said, Son, there's something I've got to tell you. When a person finishes their confession, don't say, Wow. Wow. And I wonder in our lives, when you think about this past week that you lived, are there some wows in your life? Are there some wiles in my life? As I was being tempted, as you were being tempted this week, did we fall to that temptation? You see, the more we grow toward the Lord, the more we are tempted. I want you to hear that statement again. The more you grow toward the Lord, the more you're going to be tempted. See, the devil doesn't have time for the easy pushovers. The devil doesn't have time for those, you know, that are going to give in to the temptation all the time. I mean, their flesh just falls the minute the temptation comes. He is after. He is after those who have a walk with God. He is after those who have a Bible study time. He's after those who have a prayer time. He's after those who have a burden for someone that's lost without Jesus Christ. He is after those who are busy doing the work of God. And maybe this past week, You have noticed as you got closer to the Lord, the temptations have become upon you, and they seem as if they become more and harder and more difficult in your life. And it's because Satan wants to keep you from doing God's work. Let me give you some example of that. A guy by the name of Job. The Bible says in Job chapter 1 that he was a righteous man. 
and that he hated evil. I mean, he was a righteous man, and he hated evil. And God's blessing was upon him. And you know the story, how that Satan came before God and said, well, God, if you take everything away from him, he'll curse God, and he won't die. God allowed Satan to bring those things into his life, those terrible things that happened. Lost his family, lost his wealth, lost, and had his own health. He lost that. And he was in there in boils all over him, sitting in the ash heap and cutting himself with the, the broken pots. And there he was, and three friends come. And also these three friends are tormenting him and calling him a, a dirty sinner. But yet he was a righteous man who hated evil. But here was a man that Satan says... Let's tempt him. Let's see what happens. Maybe this morning you're sitting out there. And maybe this past week that has been your life. Maybe you've tried to get a little closer to the Lord. Maybe you've tried to get a little more time in the Bible. Maybe you've tried to get a little more time in prayer. Maybe you've been determined this week that you're going to be a witness to somebody. And you share the gospel with somebody. And it seems as though that week everything just started going wrong. And just that week it seems as if... Satan has just come upon you, and it seems like there's a temptation here and a temptation there. It just everywhere you turn, and it's a hard and difficult week. Realize this. If you have a heart for God, Satan is going to tempt you. He's not going to let you just serve God freely. Here's another example. A guy by the name of Peter. Remember him? Now, Peter's the bold one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus said, when he asked the question, who do men say that I am? You know what Peter did? He stood up and said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. That's who you are. Oh, that's impressive, folks. And then Jesus told him, said, Peter, he says, I want you to know the Holy Spirit of God has revealed that to you. He says, Peter, I want you to know upon this rock, I'm the big rock, but upon you, that you're the little rock, I will build my church. And Peter is the leader of that group. What happens to Peter? Remember what Jesus said later on? He says, Peter, I want you to know I prayed for you. For you, he says, because Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Satan's going to tempt you, and you're going to deny me three times. And what did Peter say? No, Lord, I'll never, never, never do that. But what happened when they took Jesus from the garden? They took him to the trial. Peter followed. And what did he do? As Jesus was being tried, he was denied to the Lord Jesus Christ three times. He even cursed and said, I don't know the man, I don't know who he is. And everyone heard it. And the Holy Spirit of God convicted him of his sin. And he was broken. But listen, folks, here's the point. Here's a great man of God. And what happened? He was tempted. He was tempted. And he fell because of his temptation. Now just listen to some of the saints of God. I'm talking about saints of God. I'm talking about the patriarchs of the Bible. I want you to know, we like to read about all the good things that happened to them. We like to read about all the wonderful things that they've done. And we talk about all these great things. Oh, David slew Goliath. We talk about Noah built the boat. But you, did you know there's some stories about their lives in which they were tempted and they, and they miserably failed God during the temptation. Noah became a drunkard. As a result of his drunkenness, he had to curse one of his sons. We also know that Abraham, that great patriarch, became a coward. and He lied about his wife being his sister to protect his own life. So much that his own son, later years later, did the same thing. Not only that, Moses, self-exaltation. Here Moses wanted to be the redeemer. Here Moses wanted to be the deliverer. And so he went to the church of Israel. He saw their affliction. He tried to 
ravine. He saw one of the Egyptians uh, beating upon an Israelite. What did he do? He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He committed murder. And then finally, he had to leave the land of Egypt after it was found out. He was tempted. Think about that. Also, Jacob. Oh, boy, we could tell you all about Jacob. He was a scoundrel. He lied. He connived. He stole something else. But yet God used him, but he was tempted. Here's some others. Think about Elijah. He murmured. Think about David. Oh, yes, David. That little guy that slung that stone and killed Goliath. That man who brought the kingdom of Israel and made it a one nation, and God used him. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own. He was tempted. Because one day as he's up on his rooftop, his army was out doing battle. He should have been there with the army fighting, but instead he stayed home. And as he was up on the rooftop, what did he do? He looked down and he saw a woman bathing. What happened? He lusted in his heart. He was tempted. What did he do? He gave in to the temptation. He commits adultery. Now she is with child. Now what is he going to do? He commits murder. He was tempted. Oh, I'm telling you these things for a reason, folks. What about uh, Jonah? He had a rebellious spirit. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. God said, go to Nineveh, preach against that great city, and tell them they must repent because if they do not repent, I'm going to destroy that city. Jonah, I'm not going. I'm not going, Lord. I'm not going to do that. He said, I hate those people. They're, they're, They're not the people I want to be around. Those the people I want to talk to. I don't want to go. And he got on a boat and went the other direction. And you know the story, how that God brought the storm and then the great fish. You all know what happened. He finally goes. He gives in and he preaches. What about also these guys? How about Peter's denials we just shed? Uh, John Mark's defection. And the list goes on. All these great men of God and women of God have been tempted by the devil, by the flesh, by the world that they lived in. So I don't want you to sit out there and say, it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. You better be careful. Because temptation is real. Amen, church? Well, here's some facts for you. Fact number one, you will be tempted. The kinds of temptation may change, but you will be tempted continuously. Get that down, continuously. You will be tempted ferociously. You will be tempted while you're on the mountaintop, and you will be tempted when you're in the valley. Did you hear that? On the mountaintop and in the valley, even in the crisis of life. You would think, you would think if you're going through a crisis in your life, and you would think if you're going through a difficult time, life, you would think that somehow, some way, that Satan would leave you alone for a little while while you're going through this. Can I tell you, it won't happen. You're going to be tempted. I used to think, let me give you fact number two, as long as you live, catch this, as long as you live, you will be tempted. I used to think, I really did. I thought this. Listen to this. I used to think that, and I made this statement before, but I just want you to hear it again. But I used to think that when I got older, that the temptations would be easier. I, I used to think that when I got older, that I wouldn't have that problem of temptation. Because, you know, I'm older now. I'm more experienced. I'm more mature. I've read the Bible a lot now. I've been through it uh, at least uh, uh, 54, maybe 100 times. I don't know. Uh, verses I remember. I, surely it, it's just going to get easier when I get older. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. I have found out that the older I get, 
the temptations are still there. And they are great. They are great. So don't sit out there and be deceived. Don't sit out there and say, hey, it'll never happen to me. I'm mature. I'm somebody in the church. I have a position. I'm a teacher. I'm a deacon. I'm a this. I'm that. doesn't matter. Whoever you are, you may just realize you will be tempted. No matter how old you are, temptation still comes. Unless we acknowledge the reality of temptation, we will program our spiritual life for failure. Let me give you some proofs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it's here on the verse. You're, I want you to notice, if you would, in that verse, three times the word tempted and tempted are mentioned, okay? Notice that there is no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. We talked about that. You're going to be tempted. You're going to happen in your life. And the temptation you're going through, it's happened to others also. And then he says this. God is faithful. Thank God for that. Amen. Oh, I'm going to tell you something, folks. If God was not faithful, I would not be here. I would not be here. If God was not faithful when those temptations came, if, though, if God was not faithful when the, when the fiery darts of the devil came and came into my mind, into my heart, and, and, and tempted me to do what was wrong and evil, if God was not faithful, I know I wouldn't be here today. Thank God for his faithfulness. Amen, church? Says this, who will not suffer you to be tempted. There it is, number two. Tempted above which you are able, but with the temptation. There it is, temptation will also make a way to escape that it be able to bear it. Bear it. God is faithful. He'll help you with the temptation. And you can bear it. You can win. You can come out on the winning side. Here's a proof of that. James 1.12 says, when he is tried... Two is another proof. Matthew 4 1 says that when Jesus was led up into the Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness, he tempted the devil. What do you mean? It means even Jesus faced temptation. Although he did not sin, although he never gave in. And he's our example that when temptation comes our way, we can say no. We can live the life we need to live, we can do the right thing. And as we acknowledge the reality of temptation, we see this. In verse number 12, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to close here in a minute. But here it is. Look in that verse number 12 in James 1. I want you to see the first thing is we acknowledge our reality of temptation. It's real. All right? That's what I'm saying. It's real, folks. Hey, it's real. It's real. It's there. And this week, I know, I know you've been tempted. Because I've been tempted. So here's the reality. But here is the congratulations of that reality. What, preacher? What are you saying, preacher? See, I want, I want to give you something now that'll help you and encourage you that when you're tempted, you can win. You can win through Christ. You can win and you get through this thing. And here's what you need to learn. Here's the congratulation. First part of the verse, he says, blessed is the man. The word blessed means happy, inner joy, satisfaction. What? What do you mean, preacher? 
happy. I'm happy that I'm being tempted. I'm satisfied that I'm being tempted. It's a joyful, woo-hoo, I'm being tempted. Is that what this is all about? Blessed, by the way, is the idea of also enduring. And here's the point. We are happy. We are satisfied. It is an inner joy. Because when I am tempted by the devil, by my flesh, by the world in which I live in, then if I endure the temptation, you know what? I courageously endure it. I patiently go through the temptation. I remain steadfast. I remain firm. Never relinquish our confidence in our God because perseverance brings God's approval when we're tempted. We see the association found in verse 12. The blessing is James is serious. You and I, he's saying that we're faithful in our perseverance under trial. A genuine love for the Lord. Wednesday night I shared with my group that was there, and I shared with you that on the radio I was listening to a, a pastor, Brother Adrian Rogers. I love hearing good preaching, David Jeremiah and others. And I heard this, the part, they were talking about sin and temptation, and, and they made this statement. He, they said, I don't want to sin. I don't want to fall for the temptation. Why? Because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to hurt him. I love my wife. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to do anything to hurt her or destroy her. I don't want to fall into some gross sin and hurt her and embarrass her. But you know what? More than that, when it comes to my life, I don't want to fall to sin. I don't want to give in to temptation. You know why? Because there's a Jesus who loves me, and I don't want to hurt my Jesus who loves me and gave himself for me. How about you? Is that your heart? Blessed is that man. And then he says in the last part of that verse that when we are tried, Oh, you endured it. You got through it. You said no. You're like Joseph. You said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to follow that temptation. I'm not going to give in to that anger. I'm not going to give in to that unforgiving spirit. I'm not going to give in. Whatever it is, that pride, whatever it is in your life, you're going to say no. No. You know what? If you'll do that, there's a promise here. What's that promise, preacher? You're going to receive the crown of life. And notice it says, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. You see, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you keep your heart with Jesus, if you keep your mind focused on Jesus, and when those temptations come and you're in love with Jesus, when you're in love with Jesus so much because you're his word, you're in prayer, you're serving him with all your heart, with all your life, that when the temptation comes, you say, no, I don't want to fall to that. No, I don't want to do that. Because I love my Savior. God says this, if you'll do that, you're going to get a crown. A crown. How many crowns did you get this week? How many crowns did you receive for saying no to the temptation? How many crowns is God going to Give to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you said no. You said no. Something come across that TV screen. You know it wasn't right. You know you shouldn't be seeing that. You know you shouldn't be watching that. 
Someone said something at, at work, and you stood there, and you listened to some silly, ridiculous, dirty, filthy joke. You know you shouldn't have done that. Someone came, something against you. You got angry, and you were tempted to lash out. And you know you shouldn't have done it. I want to ask you, did you say no? Did you say no? And Jesus says, here's a crown. Because you endured the temptation. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know your heart. I really don't know what some of you have done this week. I don't know the temptations that you have faced. I know mine, because I've experienced it. But you've been tempted. And the question is today, did you give in? Did you give in? And did you sin? And if God has spoken to your heart about that, I need to get right with God. I need to get back in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to turn my life over to Him and say, Lord, help me. I, these things are real. They're fiery darts. They hurt. And I'm so tempted to get in, involved and do something wrong. I don't want to do it. Oh, I plead with you, come to the altar. Claim the blood of Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Say no to that temptation. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God is speaking to you right now. Will you come and receive Jesus? For He's the way, the truth, and life. And no man come to the Father but by Him. Is God speaking to you today? You want to pray for somebody? Say, I have a friend, I have a brother, I have a family member. They've given in to temptation. They're living and they're going down the wrong path. I want to pray for them. That God would speak to their heart. Change them. You do that. God is speaking to you today. You come. You come. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you, God, that it speaks. It speaks volumes. And I pray, God, it'll speak to my heart. But I also pray to speak to these people. That, God, if we have anything in our heart that's not right with you, we'd come. We'd make it right today. We don't have much time on this earth. And we can't waste the time. So, God, I pray we be faithful. Faithful to you. And, God, if there's someone here who does not know Jesus, they'd come today in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, they play this verse. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Will you come? Will you come? I can hear my Savior calling. Follow. Follow me. That's what we got to do.
last verse. Here we are. Josh is on the PowerPoint. You sing with us as we sing. As we sing together. calling you today calling you speaking to your heart, whatever it is in your life, will you come today, today, I will follow. if you get a chair there and put it up here. Lynette Heiler is here with us. and uh, If you'd come, Lynette, and come Brother Darrell with her and Jessica, stand beside her. We're going to come pray over her. She's going to be this Thursday going to evaluation at Duke and uh, for cancer. And I know our hearts and prayers, we're going to be praying for her. But I also want to read a card that just says thank you. This is concerning Miss Wilma Cipher's uh, very much for your love and support for our family during this difficult time. Thank you, everyone who has prayed for us. Uh, come to visitation service and for all the beautiful plant. And God bless you. So we thank you for that also. Church, let's gather around. Let's pray for Miss Lynette. That God will just heal her. I believe that God is a healer. I believe he can touch anyone and heal them from anything. And I've seen him do that. And so as we gather around, let's pray. Just lay your hands and 